You guys can have a seat. Good morning. All right. There you go. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, helping the old guy. Moving it up. Appreciate that. I always appreciate that. I'm getting old. But just thinking my back's tightening up back there just like 30 seconds ago. So that, look how the Lord works. It's just amazing, isn't it? Hey, my name's Kent. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the elders here. Privileged to do that and honored to do that. And um, they called in the C team this morning. Um, so here I am. And uh, sometimes the C team can do okay though, right? I don't know. We'll see. You let me know later. Maybe terrible. I don't know. I've had one run through though. So this is a uh, second time this morning. Um, hey, it's good to see y'all. We had some good rain this morning. I went to water my yard for a week. That's awesome. Saved some money there. And um, so, hey, if you've got your Bible, we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Um, if you weren't here last week, uh, Caleb preached. He did such an awesome job. Y'all know, we, we're, I mean, um, we have such, we're privileged to have such awesome staff, right? Ryan just is getting, coming back from Zambia with his son, Don Wagner, RJ, your family. Um, just, we have so many people here. Kyle and Jess. I mean, I could just go through Matt, Denise, everybody, Shelly. I see I'll miss, I made the mistake. I start listing off people. I'm going to leave somebody out. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All y'all are just amazing. Everybody is just amazing. Amen. Let's go. Let's pray and go eat. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm out of control now. I'm going to just start first minute. I'm already out of control. Um, so Acts chapter 8, I, when Caleb preached, I didn't tell him where I wanted him to end, but I wanted to so bad because I wanted, when I found out that I would, um, they're calling in the C team and I was called up to play, um, I hoped that we would get to verse 26 and it would be mine because um, I used to work with students a ton and then I got really old, but I, we used to work with college and high school students and I bet literally, and don't judge me on this how I do today, but I've taught this particular scripture, I bet 30 or 40 times to students. And I know it so well. And it has become, um, you know, you have kind of a foundational like core values in your life of who you are and how you, how you view God and how you live your life. And this particular passage is one of those in my life. And we used to teach it was called um, God's ancient work. And that he is always, always at work. And so I'm excited to, um, to dive into this this morning. Um, this past week or so, um, our sons, we have three kids at camp. Um, they're all at camp, which is an amazing thing uh, for us. Um, we have many plans, and they include doing nothing. Um, and so, and let me say this from the get-go. I'm going to preach on, I'm going to get really passionate because that's, I don't know any other way to preach other than pretty passionate but, and when I share some stories with you, I want you to just let me preface it and say, I have not reached it. I hollered and screamed at my kids yesterday, and uh, you would think, boy, he really is a C-team, uh, the way I acted yesterday with my kids. So, I, you know, uh, it's a good break, um, and I'm praying that God will do a, an amazing work with them. So our oldest son is graduated high school, and he's going to Baylor in the fall, and uh, yeah, all you A&M people, yep. Yeah. Just calm down. 
He's going to Baylor. It's a great school. So all y'all Aggies, calm down, all right? Why is he not going to A&M? Anyway, um, so he's going, and we took him last week to orientation. And um, we go for the first two days, and then on, it was Monday and Tuesday. So Tuesday afternoon, like at 3.30, we said goodbye to him. And they took his phone, and they took all of their phones, and uh, at least the ones who were honest and loved Jesus, they gave their phone over and didn't try and... (laughs) And cheat out on that. And so they gave the phone away. And I'm like, I told somebody yesterday, I'm like, that's probably the rest of his life. That will be the longest he will ever go without a phone, I bet. Unless he's poor and he can't afford it and he's knocking on my door. But we're going to be poor too because he's going to Baylor. So anyway, um, so we checked him in there at at Baylor and said goodbye. And Ryan told me, because Ryan's got two kids there. Well, Grayson just graduated, and Hudson's getting soon to graduate. But he told me this orientation week is similar to when you say goodbye to them in August. And um, he was right. It was a little bit like it did play with your emotions a little bit. And um, so when we drop him off on Tuesday, and then we say goodbye to him, and he's there until Friday, he comes back. So we stayed the night and um, went to Magnolia, and that place is overrated. And um, <laughs> I know so much because I sat in the car and never went in. Um, anyway, so, um, I got to rein it back in, don't I? Man, I was not like this at 930 at all, but I'm up against the clock at 930, so I can't do any of this, I feel like. So, we're, um, we left that morning, okay, now I'm getting into the, the real stuff, okay? We left that morning, and we're about, tw- and you know, if you're a man, you're like, you're on a mission, like we got, we got to get. Let's go. We're on the clock. I'm up on the map going, it says two hours and five minutes, whatever. We can get that under two. There's no doubt. So we start on the mission going, and we're coming about 30 minutes outside near Hillsboro, somewhere in there, and we, I see a semi in the right lane, in the, right, in the correct lane as well. That's the right lane. He needs to be in that lane. And I see in the back of this huge semi, you know, there's four tires on each side, four wheels, and the back right tire is blown out recently. And there's a little bit of tread flying, and, and I immediately said something to Tammy. I'm like, he just, that tire is out. He's got a flat tire. And she said, we need to tell him. And I said, no, we don't. <laughs> and um, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. No, we need to tell him. No, we don't. No, we don't. My dad drove trucks growing up. He had a trucking company. I know about those things. He's fine. He's got three other ones. He'll be fine. She says, no, we need to tell him. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm not slowing down. We got to get, we're getting where we're getting. And um, I don't want to waste, and it doesn't even matter. He'll be fine. So we get up close to him, and I'm not flying by him because I'm abiding by the law as a, as a good Christian would do. And, uh, but he's a little slower than me, and I go right by him, and she, she follows through with the plan to tell him, although I'm not going along with her plan. I didn't slow down. And she says, just like this, this is in the voice she uses. She leans over to the window and says, you have a flat tire. You have a flat tire. Twice. And I said, did he see you? Nope. I said, well, he certainly didn't hear you. And so, but in that moment, I told her, she'd tell you this. I said, I'm preaching a couple weeks. That's a, that'd be a great, that's a good illustration for how we are as believers, right? Because when it comes to evangelism, see, I'm getting into it now. Make a point. When it comes to telling people about Jesus, us in the church and the statistics will tell us that this is true. Most believers will go their entire life as a believer and follower of Jesus and never tell one person about him. 
And you'll be like me on the road going, he'll be fine. He'll figure it out. Somebody else can tell him. I don't even know how to change it. That kind of tire. I can change the tire, but I can't change that kind of tire. I'm not equipped for that. I don't know enough. Leave it to the professionals. And that's what we do when it comes to evangelism and telling people about Jesus. Is that if we're honest, and I'm not here to put a guilt trip on you, but if we're honest today and we think about and reflect on when is the last time I actually sh- shared my story and told somebody about Jesus, you don't have to know the Roman road, by the way. Just tell them about what happened in your life. Most of us, it's a long time ago, or it, man, it, it, we don't even remember when we've done that. And few of us are like my wife in there going, no, I don't know how to draw that, but he needs to know. He needs to know how to tell, or, or, or uh, that he's got a flat tire. He needs to know about this problem. And too many times, we're not like that when it comes to telling people about Jesus. We just don't do it. And some of us say, oh, I'll leave it up to professionals. And some of you right now, because I'm talking about evangelism, you're checked out. Uh, even though you're like, oh, it's kind of interesting, maybe, but I'm not going to ever do that. And what I'm going to show you from Scripture and what is we look at the book of Acts, which has not been like one of my favorite books, but I'm going to tell you, the longer that we've gone through, we're just in chapter 8. And I'm like, man, I, I am loving this book and studying it. And then, to, you know, when I knew that I was going to do this passage, I'm like, man, oh, this is something I need to hear. And I'm going to share a story in a little while with you. Um, man I want the spirit of God to fill me to use me and then I sit back and be some casual Christian who never risks anything who never steps out in faith but just kind of coast through life and coast into heaven man that's not the life that he's called us to be and when we looked in the book of Acts what happened in Acts is, didn't just end there, folks. We're the church, and things are happening now. And I could share so many stories with you today of how the church and how God is on the move. He is on the move. And so we're reading in chapter, uh, chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, listen to me real quick. If you've got your Bible, great. If you've got your phone, then turn to it in your phone. Don't, be, don't look at other places. We don't have that long here. And some of you, this is all the Bible you get all week. And I want, and I pray that's not the case, but if it is, man, focus in on what God wants you to say. Maybe open up a notes app or something. You should take notes. Guys, this is the word of God. We're talking about it. And this is how he speaks to us primarily is through his word. And so um, this passage has application. And every time we get up here and teach anybody, we want to teach toward application that this Bible is applicable to your life right now and where you find yourself. And this passage right here, listen to me, it applies to all of us this morning. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit. And when I got out of my truck today, literally I sat in my truck and prayed, God, I need you to stir my own heart. Stir my heart as I get up and teach. And so for Anybody who needs this this morning, it's not me. Or, or, I'm sorry, it is me. Of Mo, sorry. If anybody, yeah, I've got it all together, clearly. Um, if anybody needs this, it's me. God, stir the flame, the fire within me to share you with people who don't know you. I want to step into what you're doing. And we see Philip do that this morning. So if you're able, and you can, let's stand and all of us stand and let's read this passage, this powerful passage. And it's just a story, but man, is it good. It says in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom? I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You can be seated. I love this passage. And again, I told you this. Become something that is defined some of who I am. I say much, but some of who I am, because it's this, and I've come to realize this. I want you to listen to me. You may not realize this or think it, and sometimes we're oblivious to this fact. But God is always listen to me, always, always, always at work. That He loves you deeply, and He's at work in your life. Sometimes we're running from Him, and He's like, "I'm going to use you running from me." to do something in your own life, and you don't even realize it. And I could share so much about this in my own life, the times I've had, but I've seen him again and again and again. He's always at work. We don't take him anywhere. He's already there where we go. We got a team. uh, Ryan's come back from Zambia. Pat just took a team to the Dominican. Uh, He's there. He's been there. There's a large mission organization. A lot of you, if I mention them, I won't because I'm not going to throw them under the bus, although I would like to after I say this. Um, They used to have this poster for recruiting students. It's just so ridiculous. Who approved this? But anyway, it said, take Jesus to China as if he's not there. How dumb is that? Like, here we go, Jesus. You can get on. It's a long plane ride. We're going to land in Beijing. I don't know if you'll like the food. No, you're Jesus. You'll probably like it, but it's, it's a little bit different here as if we're taking him. Man, Jesus has been at work there everywhere all around the world long before you were born and the day you die he's going to still be working he's working all the time that's what he does and we don't start anything we don't finish anything it's all about him it's for him and our lives are here as long as we're here are to glorify him but God is at work and we see this in acts all throughout acts but if you get to chapter 8 and 26 you right here in this passage You see two characters here, and God's at work. This story, to me, is stinking amazing because you see the sovereign, the providence of God, the sovereignty of God. When Philip, uh, the main character, and the eunuch, the main character, they meet up, and it was no accident. Look at me. It was no accident. And that's not happening just then. It happens even today, and I'll share a story about that in a little bit. So you got two characters in this. you got Philip. And y'all remember Philip? If you've been here, y'all been here in the last 
a few weeks, but we were in chapter 6, and that's where we see him mentioned when the, when the church is growing like crazy, the apostles, they don't have, they've got too much to do, and so they, they get seven guys to more or less be deacons that will serve, and Philip was chosen. You remember why he was chosen? It's because um, he was full of the Spirit. Like, they saw something in him. This guy, he loves Jesus. He's been changed by Jesus the gospel's working in his life. And it says also that he was full of wisdom as well. So God's filled him with wisdom. And this, this guy's, I mean, he's one of seven that was chosen. We see him in the early part of chapter eight. And if we, Caleb did an amazing job, you should go back and listen to him from last week. But he talked about him there too. And then in chapter 21, I think it's 21, where we see Philip again, he's mentioned as Philip and he's got a name with it. Philip the evangelist, which by the way, should be all of us. Um, put your name there. You're an evangelist too because God's called you to share his love with everybody and not shrink back and hold back from sharing. But that's where we see Philip. So Philip, he's, he's more or less, he's a deacon. In fact, if he, if he was in our church today, he wouldn't even be probably one of the elders. But we see what Philip did, man. He was out sharing the love of Jesus with people and boy, was God using him. The other character is the Ethiopian. Now I have a real interest in this story, always have, because we adopted our daughter Brinley from Ethiopia back in 2000. Uh, uh, 12, right? 12, April 1st of 2012. She was born in 10. Um, and so I've always had an interest in this because, um, because of my daughter. So you got this Ethiopian eunuch and I won't go into great detail, but you can look this up later if you want to, but a eunuch is basically a, it's a man that was castrated and he willingly did this in order to, um, to take care. He's normally would be under a king or someone in charge and authority. And so, um, I mean, that's a big deal for him to, to do that, right? And it would show his zeal and that he's, um, he's someone who could be trusted. No funny business is going to happen. You know what I mean? And so you find him in the story, and it's pretty just an um, amazing thing because for him, he's in charge of this woman, Candace. We'll just call her Candy. Um, he's got Candy's stuff, and the guy can be trusted, and he's in, he's, we know this from, he travels to Jerusalem from Ethiopia. So if you do them, just don't do it now, but you can look on maps and go, how far is it from Ethiopia to Jerusalem? It's a long way, over a thousand miles. So if he goes there, he's going in a chariot. He's going to worship. He's, he's a convert to Judaism. And so he's going there, but he can't even get into the temple. He's got to worship from the outside of the temple. And so the guy's like, he's legit. He's, he's fervent. He's got zeal for God. And so he's made that trip, he's on a round trip, he's coming back, and this is when the encounter happens. So if you look at verse 26, um, it says this, if I can put on my spectacles here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, let me stop right there, I have never had an angel come to me and talk to me, I don't, I don't think, that I know of. So just because Philip had this happen doesn't mean that that's the only way God works. He doesn't work like that typically with us. But there have been many, many times in my life when I have very clearly sensed God speaking to me, primarily through his word, but then other times in my life when I have sensed I'm supposed to do something. I know I'm supposed to share the gospel. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be generous in this way. God speaks to us in many ways, primarily through his word. But on this day with Philip, it was an angel that came to Philip. Philip probably had some plans that day. I don't know what he had planned, but any number of things. He probably didn't just like, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to chill all day by the pool. He probably has got, you know, he's probably got some kind of plan. And the angel comes to him and says, 
rise and go towards south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. If I'm Philip and the angel comes to me, I'm probably taking notice anyway because it's an angel. But he says for him to go to the desert place. Go to that road between Jerusalem and Gaza. It's like a desert. And he's probably like, do what? Where? Why what are you doing? Not what? What are you? I, you know, just kind of a dumbfounded I would be to go, I'm going to go down there with no further instruction. No further instruction at all, which isn't that like God. That for our lives, when he tells us to do something, supernatural guidance from him, like guidance from the Spirit of God, oftentimes does not include a bunch of steps. It's usually one step at a time. And he tells Philip to go to the desert. Again, let me preface, say, I have not reached it or anything. So when I say this, it's not in any kind of arrogance. It's only the Spirit of God. I'm just saying yes to him. 2014 came for us. Had no idea, but God called us, probably separately, I think, for us to move to Arizona to help plant a church there. And at the time, it didn't really make a ton of sense. But I knew, and she knew, and God spoke so clearly that we were supposed to do this. Primarily through his word, and I can go back and tell you that whole story, but I'm not going to do it. And it did not make sense. We just committed a year to go and help get it going and do all that. And we loved it, fell in love with it. But it was not something that made sense at all. But sometimes, and it really, at the time, it was like, just go. And I remember we packed up and we're leaving our house. And I remember oftentimes I thought this, but I remember thinking, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And I would go back to because God called me. Because I know he called me. I don't have any idea what to expect. I don't know what you want, God. Just say yes. And it's in those times in my life when like Philip who just said, I don't know what you're doing. And that seems like a crazy idea. But because you said to do it, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. And so guidance in your life so, time, so many times from God does not give you the whole plan. Good grief. Why would you have to trust him if he gave us the whole plan? He gives it one step at a time. And Philip on this day, it's just... Go down the desert road. And so what does he do? What, does he go or not? The angel said it. And verse 27 says, and he rose and he went. Right? And he rose and he went. He just was obedient to do that. Just obedient. Just, just to go. And sure enough, this is what is just blows my mind when I read this scripture. I don't know why it does, but I mean, maybe it shouldn't. But this is the way God works. Is that God was working in the Ethiopian's heart. He was already working in his heart. And God had a plan to begin with long before that. But that morning, he wakes up and like, Philip, or you know where it was, go, go. you're just going to go down there. And he knows Philip. The, the Bible says in Chronicles, the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are completely his. Man, I want to be one like that. Philip on that day, or during that time, Philip was one of those that the eyes roam to and fro. And he's like, this guy. We'll go to the desert road, and he'll wait for further instruction. And sure enough, that's what Philip did. So he rose and he went, and God, by his providence, his sovereign plan, has the Ethiopian there. And the Ethiopian happens to just be reading this. God, this is amazing. He's reading Scripture. And if we go through the whole story, and I don't have time, we just read it. So it's a simple story. But what the, the, the thing, the point that really, like, we can just miss this altogether, but when when he gets there, the Ethiopian's re reading, and it's right then that further instructions are given to Philip. And he says, go over to that chariot, right? Go to the chariot. And 
Didn't y'all notice what Philip did in that moment? What was the response for Philip? He, he, he ran. Somebody said it. He ran. He ran. And in the moment, he gets over to that chariot. I didn't think about this until earlier when I was in, in the first service. Um, but he ran over there. And in that moment, he's reading a passage from Isaiah. And the Isaiah passage, and I have the whole thing. Don't have time to read it. But it's all about telling about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. Now, if Philip had walked over there when he said, go over to that chariot, huh? The chariot? That one over there? I don't know. It looks like somebody's really a high official. I don't know if I need to go over there. What could happen? I don't know if I know enough. What will they do? They might, they might do something to me. What do you want? Okay. He takes off. He doesn't hesitate. All we know from Scripture is he went over there, and he didn't just go, but he ran. And in that moment, had he walked? I don't know if this had been the case, but he ran. And when he gets over there, the Ethiopian. God's moving in his heart, and he's on the scripture at just the right time, reading scripture. God knowing and us knowing too right now that scripture is what changes our life, right? I was privileged to go. I was so privileged. I live such a privileged life. Um, I was. I was privileged um, to go last month with 17 other men up to Montana to go fly fishing. I don't know jack squat about fly fishing. Um, I know a little bit more, but that still is jack squat. And um, I got to go with these guys. And one of the men on that trip was a Mormon, former Mormon. He was so high up in the Mormon church, he would be in the temple every day. And he would write hymns for the church. They still sing them to this day. And he told me, it's a long, long story, but he told me. And it's the first thing he I said, so tell me about how you came to know Christ, truly came to know Christ. He goes, well... I used to read the Book of Mormon, and it never changed my life. And he said, and then I started reading the Bible, and he said, my life completely changed when I read the Bible. That was such an encouragement to me, to know that is what changed his life. It, it wasn't someone getting up and preaching about it. It was the Word of God even just changed his life. And so many times, we don't even pick up the Bible, except we hear about this on however many minutes we are in the, on a Sunday morning, and that's the most Bible we get. Yet, I'm telling you, this is what changed Paul's life, the guy that I met in Montana, and this is what changed the Ethiopian's life. So much so that the guy gave his life to Christ that day, and we don't know this to be totally for sure, but there's a lot of evidence for it. And as Caleb would say, an old dead guy wrote about this. Irenaeus, I think is the guy's name, in the second century talked about an Ethiopian that likely other people have referred to in other places, that this guy was then a missionary to Ethiopia and brought the gospel to Ethiopia. And it changed the lives of Ethiopians because of one man who said, I'll be obedient. Yes, he changed my life. And he went and he shared the gospel with people. And you see the Ethiopian that in this story, his life was changed. He goes and he gets baptized and God changes his life. And Philip just takes off. And what does Philip do? He's gone preaching some more, just telling about Jesus. This story, man, there's so many applications for us, so many. I could bring out a ton of things just to say about that would apply to us in our lives, but I want to give you two. But first, I want to share with you, lest you think that, that, that the book of Acts, like it's done. Guys, look at me. It's not done. Not that I'm saying we're going to add to Scripture or not, but the stories of the Spirit of God moving through the church and through its people did not just stop. It's happened again and again. It happened, uh, I'm sure it's happening right, I mean, it is happening right now, but I, of some people I know, it happened a month ago, a few weeks ago it happened. It happened for me two or three months ago. And I'm going to share you a story for the first time in my life 
When I was at camp, and this is why the emphasis right now this morning, we talked about praying for our students. You need to pray for our students because I'm going to tell you a story about my own life. When I was 18, I just graduated from high school and I had been to camps. I grew up in church. You've probably heard, some of y'all have heard my story, but I was like born on a Thursday, I think. You have to look back in the history books. It's been so long. Um, gosh, I feel it every day. Uh, it's terrible getting old. But anyway, I think I was born on Thursday and I was on, I swear I was on church on the next Sunday. I don't remember a time not going. So I came to know Christ as a, as a young, you know, young child. Really believe I came to know Christ. And then I, I always, God just moved in my heart, even as an early teen. Learned how to share my faith. Led some people to Christ as a teenager. Some older man. The first man I ever led to Christ was a 71-year-old man sitting on the street corner. Never heard the gospel in his life. Never heard that. It was just, I just thought I'd be good. And that was good enough. Never knew it. And I was 15 or 16. But I, ne- I had never seen, and God worked in those things as well, obviously, but I'd never seen stories like this in Acts until I was 19. So at 18, at camp, um, I knew I was going into ministry full-time. Like, that was going to be what I was going to do. I felt that call. But it was there that God moved in my heart, like, I'm to be the light of the gospel. Like, we're called to be the light. So share, share what you know about Jesus with people. There's a lot longer story in this, but at camp that year, I made a commitment. And again, I'm a mess on my best day, so don't think, ooh, whatever, okay? But I made a commitment that at camp, and I was like, God, I'm, I'm going to share my, I'm going to do my very best to share my faith every day with somebody. Every day. And I was passionate and zealous, probably more so than I am now which I was thinking about that this morning. I want, I want that. God, make me more zealous for you. Make me more passionate for you. Open my eyes to the opportunities I have. So I made that commitment and really, for the most part, stuck with it through that year. So the next year, I was 19, Always really, I was very keenly looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people, share my story with people. And one afternoon, late afternoon, I was standing there uh, in my living room and I grabbed a red bandana. This is how vividly I remember, I remember this. I had a red bandana in my hand. I looked up and in my front door, it was glass. I was living with my parents and there was a man standing right there, which startled me a little bit. Like, oh. And so I'm getting ready to go mow the yard, and I open the door, and he's like, hey, man, um, is there any way that I could do some work around your house to make a little bit of money and, I, like, mow your yard? And I said, well, oddly enough, I was just about to mow it. And, but in that moment, I'm telling you, this, I felt the spirit. I don't know. I just, I think because I was more looking, and I asked, or I knew that he was asking me to share Christ with this guy. So I said, hang on a second. Shut the door, left him hanging out there in the heat. And then uh, I went and talk, told my mom. I said, I'll pay for it. But I, I want, there's a guy at the door. He wants some of the yard. He needs to make some money. I want to share Christ with him. And can, is that cool with you? And she said, whatever. And so he, I let him mow the yard. And I remember looking at him out, at the, out the window, watching him mow and praying, God, use me to share with him. So we got finished. And I told my mom, she was making spaghetti that night. I said, can you make enough to make him a plate? She said, sure. And so I said, pray for me. I'm about to share. So I brought him in. And 
we sat near the very end, back of the house. Not that these details matter, but I'm, t- I'm sharing them anyway. Um, there's a little two, two-person table right at the back of our house. Uh, almost like an add-on to this house we have anyway. Brought him in there and sat with him. And I said, can I tell you my story? And so I shared a little bit of my story, which is not something amazing or anything. But, and I shared the gospel in it, though. Shared a little bit of the gospel in it. And I said, it ever happened to you? His name was Daryl Lincoln. Still remember this. He said, no, it never has. And so, anyway, long story short, he says, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. So he began a relationship with Jesus there at the table. And then, when we get done praying, he says, can I share with you my story? I said, sure. So he told me a little bit of it. And he said, he had a wife and a baby. And he said, I've been out of work. And he said, I just, I've tried so much and just nothing. He said, I've prayed and I've asked God to help me. And I haven't really, him help me. And he said, last night I'm laying in bed. And he's like, I told God, I'm like, I believe in you, but I, you're, I'm beginning basically to doubt him and if he's even real. And that I doubted if there was a God, if he even loved me, even cared about me. And I asked him, would he show me and reveal himself to me? And uh, something of that sort. And he said, um, uh, so he goes the next day, the next morning, to go walk around our town. He walked a long way. And he had been work, walking all day. This is the evening, remind you, okay? And everyone turned him down. Everybody had turned him down. And he said, I began walking by houses and asking if I could do work. And everybody had turned him down. He said, I was so dejected and mad at God. He said, I gave up. And I started walking. And he said, probably 30 minutes. He walked a long way. He said, I'd probably 30 minutes. I'd given up. I'm just going home. And he said, I, I came upon your house from a distance. And I thought... I'm going to ask this house. I'd given up, but I'm going to ask this, this house. And he said, and there you are standing there. And he said, you told me that God loved me. And God had not forgotten me. That he had a plan for my life. And he said, and now I know him. And so his name again was Daryl Lincoln uh, we helped him and got him help with a job and anyway, back on his feet. And our church was amazing to help him. But that's a story that I could tell for the first time in my life where I thought, and let me tell you, guys, my presentation that day to him, I am sure I'd be embarrassed for you to hear it because it was terrible, I'm sure. But it goes to show you this. Listen to me. No word, and I've said this before, no word ever spoken on behalf of Christ is ever wasted. It's never wasted. And there have been times I've shared the gospel, and it was a terrible, and yet God's used it. And there have been times I've walked away and thought, man, that was quite the presentation of the gospel. <laughs> Tell you what, we should have that on video. And nothing happened. Because it's not about us. It's the Spirit of God. And in the story with Philip, he had a man who was willing to just go and be obedient to him. Who said, yes, God, you want me to go to the desert? Okay. What are you going to do there? You'll find out when you get there. And Philip goes out of strictly just obedience, just going. And God's working the Ethiopian's heart in his life. And he arranges it at the perfect time when Philip runs to him that he's reading the scripture. He doesn't understand that Philip probably doesn't know a ton. He's brand new at believing. I mean, the gospel is just going forth. And he shares what he knows from the scripture. And the man's life is changed God did that. It was not even Philip. It was God who did the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, 
God wants to use you. And some of you have never shared. You've, you've got a story to share, man. Has he changed your life? Do you know Jesus? Then he's called you to share your story with people. Some of you are checked out in this moment going, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. And you'll get back in the car and you'll go, that was nice. Whatever that was in church that we just went to and heard, that was nice or terrible or whatever. That was a C or a D for them C player. Um, But you'll get back in the car and you'll go back and you'll be living your life just as normal. But God, I pray, man, I pray this morning, God, would you, in my own heart, don't let me leave here just living a normal, humdrum, just go through the motions life. That you've called me to be a light of the gospel. He says in Matthew 9, pray for, the, pray for the laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but pray for the laborers. He didn't pray for the harvest. Pray for laborers, people who will share the gospel. Let me ask you, it's a rhetorical question. You think about this. Has he changed your life? Has Jesus come into your life and has he changed you? Has he done that? He changed my life when I was a kid. And at 52 years old, I have a story to tell. Because he changed my life. He's calling you to, to do the same. Some of you say, well, I don't even know what to do or how to say it. Let me ask you, or let me just tell you this. I used to do ministry, and we would, see, I'm almost done. Um, we, we used to do a, um, I used to go overseas and work with churches overseas. We'd do a thing called Operation Andrew. People in the church would list out on a card ten names of people who they, don't, they think they don't know Jesus. And then they would pray for those people over a series of time. And then we would come on scene and we would go and visit those people and we'd share the gospel and we saw tons of people because they were being prayed for and people were just hearing the story of Jesus it wasn't like we were some credible professional sharing the gospel it was the spirit of God working so I'm not even this morning asking you listen to me I'm not asking you to think about 10 people although you can you could list those people out I'm asking you to think right now think of one person in your life that you could share the gospel with and not even the gospel just share your story with them and see what happens. How does this, what does this look like from a practical standpoint? It's this. You think of that one person. It could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. It could be a friend. It could be just somebody that you know. But you, you don't know them really well. You don't know if they're a believer or not. You ask them to go to coffee. You ask them to go to lunch. Can I buy you lunch sometime? Can we go to coffee? And then you just show interest in them and say, hey, tell me your story. Tell me, how, you know, tell me about your life. And they start from square one, going all the way through, and this is how I got to Melissa or wherever you live. And then at the end of that, they're probably, if they're not a believer, they're not even going to share it. At the end of that, most likely, because they're nice people, um, they're going to say, what's your story? And if they're not nice, you say, can I share my story with you? Right? <laughs> you, and then you share your story. And because, listen to me, because Jesus changed your life, because he's so part of who you are, he's so part of who you are, I can't tell you my life story without Jesus in it. I can't. I mean, I, I guess I could, but it's not true to who I am. I'm, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And then at the end of that, when I could go and spend 30 minutes telling you this whole thing, but anyway, at the end of it, I'm going to say this. Has that ever happened to you? Like, have you ever had any kind of experience like that? And then you see where the conversation takes you. Guys, you do not have to know the Roman road, although it's helpful. And Roman scripture is helpful, but you don't have to know that. What you have to have is an experience with Jesus who changed your life. And he's put you on this planet for a purpose. To know him and make him known. That's why we're here. And if it was left up to just the professionals, we're never going to get the job done. He's called you and put you in a place 
where you live on purpose. Like he did, it's not a mistake. If you believe in a sovereign God, he puts you where you live. And he's calling you to share the gospel with people and share your life. It says in Thessalonians, we did not only, not only shared our life, our, um, I'm sorry, I messed it up. We sh- part of it is, at the end of it, it says, we shared our lives with you. Paul says, we shared our lives with you. You're sharing your life with people. You're getting to know them. You're not being fake. You're getting to know them, and then you're sharing your life with them. And your life is wrapped up in who Jesus is. You can't help but share him with other people. And so this morning, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to think, even in this moment, well, let me ask you this first. How many of y'all know lost people? Y'all know anybody that's lost? Okay, we got about half of you. The other half, I don't know what, y'all are in a Christian bubble, I guess. You don't know uh, people who are lost? Do y'all know? Raise your hand if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Okay? You know somebody who doesn't know Jesus. You think of that person right now. You think about them. And then you could even write their name down, or later when you get in your car, you go home, you write that name down. Maybe you put it on your fridge and you go, I'm going to begin praying for them. And I'm going to pray, God, for an opportunity with them. God, I'm going to pray for the opportunity for the eyes to see when that opportunity opens itself up. And then, God, I'm going to pray for boldness to go and actually seize the opportunity to share the gospel with them or share your life with them. I keep saying the gospel. You're going to share your story with them. And then you let God take, take it from there. Just let him work in their life, and you have no idea. Guys, I'm telling you, again, I could share 50 stories today of things like happened in Acts right there that I've seen or experienced or whatever. Not because I'm amazing, but because just being obedient. Say, God, I, I don't have, I'm not very good at this, but I'll share my story. I'll share my life. What's the motivation as the team comes up to, the worship team comes, comes up, um, and I wrap this up before we go all day. Bob, you and I can stay here and we'll do it. Um, as some of us say, Man, I just, here, here's, the, here's the, not temptation, it, I don't know what the word is. Here's what is likely to happen so many times. When you come through, you come to a message like this, and I already alluded to this, but you get in your car, and the emotion of the event, or the feeling that you feel in this moment, I do need to share with them, oh, I need to do this. You get in the car, radio gets on, I know this because I've experienced it many times, and you just kind of move on, and nothing ever changes. That's likely to happen for a lot of you. Or there's some in here who will go, wow, I've been great, given a great privilege. One, that he would seek you out and pursue you. Just like he pursued the Ethiopian, he did the same thing in your own heart. No matter what your story is, you're not responsible for it. The Spirit of God did it in your life. He opened your eyes to the gospel. And because of that truth, it drives me only to one place, and it's total humility. That it wasn't my work that caused me to know him. It was God opening my eyes to go, the gospel is amazing. And I want to know him more and more. That's the Spirit's work. And so like the Ethiopian, he was reading scripture, and I wish I had time to read the whole passage in Isaiah. But it talks about, and I changed it for me. It was from our and we to my and my sin. He took on my sin. That he, I am the transgressor and he is allowing me to have a relationship with God. He's given me grace. He's given me freedom. I don't have to do all this junk, but he's done it all for me. And it's that motivation. When you view the cross for what it is and you view what Jesus did for you, that, listen to me, that is the motivation by which you will go and say, that person, I don't know if they know Jesus. So instead of just forgetting their name when you get in the car, when you walk out these doors, 
If you'll remember the cross and remember that just like the Ethiopian, you saw your sin for what it was and he opened your eyes to the gospel, that will be the motivation by which you will not forget that name, but you will actually be intentional with that name and go, I'm going to reach out to John. I'm going to reach out to um, Karen, the Karen, whatever her name is. I'm going to reach out to her. Because I remember what the gospel has done for me and that he did that for me. And he might use me in Karen's life or in John's life or name the person. He'll do that in me. He'll do that in them like he did it in me. And so that's the first application for you is remember the gospel this morning that he came and sought you out. And in response to what he's done, one of the implications of you viewing the gospel for what it is and what he did in your life, just one implication, one Reflex, one thing that you do because of that is you can't help but tell other people about him. So why don't you start with one person and say, man, I've been working with this guy for years or I've had this neighbor for years. I don't know this person or that person, whoever, a family member. I don't know their story at all. Just be intentional. Be obedient and let the Spirit of God move in your life and use you. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that, look at me. If you'll do that, oh, God's going to use you. Let me tell you this real quick, and I'm doing it too long. The last thing, when you share Christ with somebody, and some of y'all can testify this, it's the most exhilarating thing. And when you're done, you're like, oh, my gosh, it was amazing. If you'll just share, just step out in faith and trust God. Be Philip. Be like a Philip. Let's all be Phillips. And say, man, I'm just going to be, be obedient. Listen to God and then share it. All right? We're going to sing. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. I pray that God's moving your heart, even as I've spoken, which is many times the case. He's moved in my own heart as I've spoken. I need more of the Spirit in my life. And I pray that's true in you. Whatever He said to you, that you respond in obedience to Him. Let's pray. God, thank you for our time. Thanks, God, for your word. Thanks for the story, simple story in Acts 8 about. Philip, a man whose heart was completely yours, who was obedient to follow you when it, even it didn't make sense. And for the Ethiopian that you were working in his life and you put all that together, God, and we saw that you did the work in this man's life. You brought him to salvation and then you used him as a missionary back to his own people. God, may that be true of us. Help us to remember, God, what you've done in our lives and then uh, that we're to be a light to wherever we go and wherever we are. We love you. Praise you, God. Thank you for what you've done in us. And even this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world. Oh, oh you say.